You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Whether you need a battery for your truck or a battery for your trail camera or a specialized battery for your rangefinder or a crazy toy that you bought for your kids, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. Stop into a local Interstate Battery retail store, talk with a specialist, get the battery that you need, and go on about your day. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable this is the average conservationist podcast brought to you in partner with two percent for conservation two percent for conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife one percent of time plus one percent of money equals two percent for conservation two percent helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about whether you're into fishing hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and money back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop learn more about two percent for conservation at fishandwildlife.org that's fishandwildlife.org all right welcome back to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Ewing, and this is episode 20. Uh, This week on the podcast, I am joined by Eric Clark. Eric is the co-founder of the brand OKS Hunter, Um, and I was familiar um, with OKS Hunter prior to to Eric and I um, sitting down and talking here, but I got a much better understanding of the brand, where Eric and his um, business partner Tyler are coming from um, when starting this brand, and it's it, it's really cool to hear um, the passion and everything that these guys have for um, for hunting, and you know that you know regardless of or irregardless of, of who you are, you should be proud of whatever type of animal. Um, you're harvesting as long as it's legal and you know, the, the buck shaming and, and things like that is something that these guys just, you know, vehemently disagree with. And, you know, that's, it's, that's kind of why they, they started the brand and they want, you know, more hunters to 
not feel ashamed if they're not shooting, you know, this giant, you know, 150 inch buck or anything like that. And, you know, they, they really want people to kind of get back to their roots, um, in terms of why they got into hunting, uh, in the first place with tradition and, you know, putting meat in the freezer and just, you know, enjoying the outdoors. So, uh, it was, it was a really fun conversation. And, uh, if you guys haven't, be sure to check out, um, Eric's brand, the OKS Hunter. Um, and, uh, hope you guys enjoy. All right. Joining me today, I have the co-founder of 2% certified brand, OKS Hunter, Eric Clark. Eric, thanks for making some time. How's it going today? It's going well. It's Monday. So we're just getting started for the week. Although the week just kind of blend together the weekend, the week, it doesn't really seem to make a difference, but here we are. Yeah, they really do. And especially like weeks. So hunting here in Michigan, you know, I know our archery season kicked off here, uh, beginning of October and where I hunt is, is a few hours North. We have some family property. So the, the weekends or you know, the days that I know I'm going up North to, to hunt, I get very scatterbrained and I can't think about anything else kind of leading up to it. And it's Monday, I'm leaving on Thursday. And this is like the only thing I'll probably be able to get done this week. So I'm, I'm glad we're doing this on a Monday night. That's good to hear. Yeah, buck fever is set in. It's hard to focus on anything else. There's a, there's a you know, um, a cold front coming through. There's a high pressure system. The wind is going to be perfect for where I know the bucks are bedding. But it's also the same day as my four-year wedding anniversary. So I don't dare bring that up to my wife. Ooh, ooh. And so it's just going to sit there and fester. Yeah. <laughs> we have, uh, I, speaking of like this time of year and everything I have, it's a story for another time, but opening weekend, usually we don't get to hunt. Like I, so I hunted the first, second and third, um, of October. And normally based on like weekdays and weekends and things like that, it's usually not to like maybe the sixth or seventh, whenever I can actually get into the woods, but had an encounter with the biggest deer I've ever had. And it didn't go my way, and it's it's really leaving me chomping at the bit for for this weekend to get out there. All right. So yep. that's about the time of year, man. So we're we're in similar seats then. Yeah. So I guess before we kind of really get into uh, kind of the meat and potatoes of of the OKS hunter, um, kind of. So tell me a little bit about how the outdoors was introduced to you, like you know. At, were you are you what everyone likes to call like an adult onset hunter or have you been doing it you know since you were a kid yeah mostly since i was a young adult um you know i actually had missed out on some years with uh, my dad uh from like you know 12 to i don't know 15 or something like that and so i watched a lot of hunting shows back then and i was an i'm an 80s baby so um I watched whatever was on Saturday mornings and got really excited about it. And, you know, eventually I started, I did go hunting with my dad and it was gun, right? And Mm -hmm. he was a bow hunter. Um, He was in a lot of archery leagues. And he, you know, I I remember as a kid, I did shoot like a recurve, um, which was just fun. It was just like a fun activity. You know, I just saw the things in the garage and like, I just want to shoot those. So he set me up and I got to shoot those as a kid. And then, you know, when I was older, 15, 16, I finally started to go hunting with gun up in the Nicolay National Forest in Wisconsin. Um, it was, I mean, there were winters when it was like negative 15 degrees, couldn't feel your toes. I'm wearing these Mickey Mouse, you know, World War II boots, his old hand-me-down stuff, um, steps that went up a tree that were like cinched with a rope one step at a time. Ah, uh, Yeah. And, and you didn't see any deer up there. You know, you just didn't. So, like, the fact that I stuck with it is 
I must be a glutton for torture or something because, <laughs> you know, what captivated me was the beauty of the Northwoods and the serenity and the quietness and just, you know, watching the woods come to life with the little birds and the mice and the squirrels yeah. and the rabbits and that kind of stuff. And, and the rare, <laughs> the rare occasional deer um, that would come by. And so I actually didn't kill my first deer until I think I was like 21 or 22 or something like that. Uh, shotgun, close quarters on the ground. And it wasn't up north. We had switched to um, south, southwestern Wisconsin, and um, finally got it done on a on a spike buck. There you go. In the first year, and I was so jacked, you know, to finally make it happen. We were getting down for lunch. So, yeah, my dad introduced me to hunting. Um, he's a working class guy. You know, he uh, he's a garbage man his whole life. He drives like a roll off uh, truck for like construction site dumpsters, and so he gets out as much as he can. And um, you know, I. <laughs> like he's an okayest hunter you know <laughs> he says the word i don't know a lot there's a lot of reassurance of i don't know well i don't i don't know it could be there i don't know this could be good i don't it's like the preface and the ending of everything is i don't know so i had a lot of confidence about what the hell the deer were doing but we always went over the next ridge to kind of absorb more sign and, and see we we're always very curious about it so that was kind of um the adventure side of it for me that that really drew me in yeah and it's it's funny you mentioned or how your dad would always kind of either begin or end a, a sentence or a phrase with, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Which going back to my youth, when I was hunting with my dad and my uncle, it was always, this is the hot spot. I know you're going to see deer here. And I would never see anything. And I, I almost feel like it's the same thing as you where I, I can't believe I ever stuck with hunting to any degree because I, I mean, we would go into, you know, I grew up in northern lower Michigan, but we would go into the UP to hunt sometimes. And I mean, you know, when you're 14 years old and you're driving six hours and you're, you know, spending all day in this, you know, in, in the woods. And it's not like how, how I hunt now where, you know, unless it's the rut, like I'll hunt for, you know, two or three hours in the morning, you know, I can go home, go to the cabin, do whatever, go back out for the evening sit. Well, when we were up north or when we were in the UP, it was, nope, I'm going to drop you off in the morning. I'll come get you when it's dark. And I mean, I don't know how many trips we made up there and I didn't see a deer, a deer. Like it, it, it's amazing. Yeah, you're scared of bear, right? And you're like, maybe I'll see a wolf. Like, I don't know. You know, I walk into my stand in the dark and I was yeah. right on the border of the UP there up in like Iron Mountain area and Shervitz sure. and Phelps. And... But, you know, it was, it was everything else that went along with it for, for a young hunter that for me as a young hunter, it was the camaraderie, the deer camp, the, the, you know, the venison stew cooking all day while you're freezing your tail off when you get yep. back, it's the best one you ever had. And you know, it's not really probably that good. Um, it's the moment that you're having it within in the setting that makes it what it is. Um, it's, you know, the actual getting a deer and, and cooking up the back straps on a logging road that you're three miles deep on with mm -hmm. no other people around, um, on a small crappy grill on a tailgate, you know, like yeah. those are some of the, you know, things that just stand out and are, are like kind of soldered in my mind is this is why I love hunting. Yeah. You know? Now, do you think when you were that age, like you, you had the same appreciation for it then as you do now, or do you think that's something that just kind of grew over time? And the more, the more you, you fell in love with hunting and, and everything that came along with it, you started to look back and be like, man, like this is, this is why I do it. There were moments. There yeah. were like, there were indelible moments that occurred. I remember like looking over this lake we had parked at, and it was just it was pure glass, you know, and you just don't see beauty like that, you know. And then the lone loon calling out, yeah. and you're like, 
wow, you know, this is really cool. Like, so there were moments that like captivated that where I was like, well, this is special in the moment. And it is that building where then you come to look forward to that next year and the following year, et cetera. So, and it's changed so much now for, for me as a person, but also as an industry. But um, now I have friends that I've introduced to hunting, several of them um, that they come with to deer camp every year now. So it's not just me and my dad. Um, and then I've become uh, an avid bow hunter, uh, avid, yeah. not successful, but I, I bow hunt. I've been out five times already. Um, you know, and that's, that's a good chunk for uh, someone with two kids in the day job and all the side business yeah. stuff. So, um, you know, I, I love bow hunting more than I would have imagined. Actually, I remember my, I, I had asked for something for Christmas that wasn't a bow and I wanted like a, I wanted like a membership to go rock climbing at this place that was nearby. Cause I want to learn how to rock climb and my dad got me a gift card to like an archery shop. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> what the hell is this? You know, this is what I wanted. <laughs> and best gift ever, you know, truly. And at the time, I was so pissed. I was like, I don't, what the heck? So he gave me his old bow, and I used the money to upgrade it. And I was like, this is expensive. Like, I don't even yeah. have a new bow. And I had to spend all this money to, like, put this stuff on it. This is ridiculous. Um, but I practiced, and I practiced, and I shot, and I shot, and I went more and more, and then I upgraded. And, and now I'm like, and now I'm shooting like, you know, I'm sniffing the pixie dust as the ranch fairy would say, um, you know, like I'm all tuned in and yeah, it's a problem. But podcasting uh, has probably helped shape some of that too. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is it, the podcast is definitely, even though we don't, you know, depending on the guests, I mean, we don't get into tactics and, and stuff like that. I mean, being the average conservationist podcast, we, I, I need some type of outlet so thankfully, like my, my hunting buddy, the guy who I hunt with all the time is my brother-in-law. And if I didn't have him, my wife would have divorced me by now because she, like, I'll go out like just this morning, like I went out, I was shooting my bow, everything like that. And I, I come back in and I'm, ah, you know, these broadheads aren't flying quite right. She's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't care. Good. Good for you. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's nice to have, to have an outlet and, and, and someone that you can share that stuff with. Yeah. Yeah, mine is, uh, hey, I, can I show you something or can I tell you something? She goes, does it have to do with deer hunting? I'm like, you even have to ask? Like, what else am I going to talk about at this point? <laughs> yeah, it's October. Of course it does. Yeah. yeah. So I know we, we kind of talked about this um, before we started recording here, but um, the OKS Hunter is you. You co-founded that. Um, I, I should have said this to start with, but it is a great name because it, you kind of gave me a little bit of a story um, before. But yeah, there's... I think there's way more people who would consider themselves the OKS hunter than actually care to admit. Yeah. The majority of any of the success we've had, whether that's, you know, in a growing in followership or, you know, people like getting on board or like feeling proud, et cetera. It, it seems like not, even if you're not a full blown, what I would call OKS hunter, you have OKS hunter tendencies or moments or memories where you know someone. So the relatability of the brand has been like, just very powerful. There's not anyone that I haven't talked to you that doesn't resonate with some component of that in some way, shape or form. And yeah. everyone thinks that they are the okay center. So it's great because you can be one, you know? Yeah. And it's out of that. Yeah. It, it, and I think there's a lot of people who, who probably take themselves too seriously that are like, Oh no, that's, that's not me, you know? But I think you, at, at, like, Everyone, it seems kind of in the in the hunting industry or the outdoor industry, like a lot of people take themselves so seriously. And like it's it's hunting like this is a hobby. Like if, if you're fortunate enough to be able to make a, a career, a living out of hunting or, or even fishing or something like that, like 
you should not be taking yourself that seriously. Like this is something that three-year-olds, four-year-olds do from a fishing standpoint, but 10 and 11 year old kids go out and hunt. Like what you're doing, like you're not curing cancer. Uh, You know, it's, we're we're hunting. So there's no reason to take yourself so seriously. We want to help people get back to their roots. We want people to feel like that 11 year old kid. Yeah. And remember what draw, like drew them to all this and what got them excited and to feel excited. I have a friend that I made through doing all of this, uh, his name's Jared. He lives in Arkansas, and he's got, you know, along with the southern accent, he's got a lot of southerly things that he'll say that are not things that I. <laughs> that I'm just like, how do you come up with this this stuff? But he said, you know, Eric, I just shoot whatever gets my pee hot, and that's, you know, pretty well put actually. I would say, you know, whatever gets your heart pumping. But I guess if you want to put it that way, um, I'll take it. Um, so you know, we we really do have a lot of fun with it, and it, it's because it is harkening back to having fun. And so we've we've leveraged humor in a very unique way to resonate with people, to get their attention, stop to get them to look for a second and remember, hey, this is why you got into this. Remember that. And so you can have these okay moments of field. Um, You know, it's not actually too far off from like catching deers. I think they're probably a lot funnier than we are, Um, you know, and they're a much bigger brand and they have some financial backing, et cetera. But, you know, they always say things like, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. We believe very similarly in that, you know, but we want people to hunt for the reasons that they want to be hunting for, not for what they think they should be hunting for based on the industry. Yeah. And that's, that's a very good way to put it because I think in the age of, of social media and how, you know, every move of everyone is, can be out there, right. That, you know, people like you, you mentioned it before that people are almost ashamed to post pictures because it's, you know, it's a, it's a four point, it's a spike. Like who, who cares? Right? Everyone mean, always puts a buffer on their their post and says, it's not the biggest, but, yeah. you know, and it's like, stop it. Stop saying that. Yeah. Don't do that anymore. You don't have to do that. You don't have to disqualify yourself from feeling proud about something because, you know, you shot that deer for a reason. When you pull the trigger or let that arrow fly, like in your mind, you were either A, really excited. You wanted to put some meat in your freezer. Maybe you had your kid with you and it's all he could think about is to see his dad or mom, you know, tag a deer. Yeah. And whatever, whatever's going on in the moment there behind the draw or, you know, behind the trigger, like be proud of that. And then that's it. And then don't disqualify it later on when you post it. And, but oftentimes people aren't posting them because it doesn't meet the criteria. So it seems in though, it seems as though in doing this and starting this entity that we've almost given people a place to have that voice where they will share those photos with us of what we've now called unicorns are real (laughs) unicorn buck, the single antler um, spike buck, which we've now deemed the quote unquote shooter buck or the, the meat buck. Um, And we have all these fun names. We're coming up with things to like allow people to feel proud of it. So now the number of tags of people taking the hashtag shooter buck, but it's not really like (laughs) what you would consider like a shooter buck is comical. Um, because you should shoot what makes you happy. Look, and we believe that it's, it's your tag. You bought it with your money. You're supporting conservation. Like why should someone else dictate or tell you what you ought to do with that tag? Yeah. And why should it matter? It's your tag. Do what you want with it. Like I, if I buy my own tag, I will do what I want with it. And I don't need you to tell me otherwise. Yeah. You know? If it's a legal so deal. We also say never pass. And you know, we're a bit egregious with that because <laughs> a lot of people say things like you should have let it grow. You should let it go, et cetera, et cetera. You should have passed. We say never pass, never pass on making a memory, never pass on the moment that gets you excited. You know, like that's what we really mean by it. Never pass on something that like fulfills you as a hunter. And don't forget why you got into this. Yeah. And sometimes 
Yeah, that's I know I could go on for quite a while. I'm very passionate about it. No, and that's that's a good thing too because <clears throat> you know again we spoke for a few minutes prior to starting recording, but I can hear it in your voice. Like I can hear, you know, and how you describe you know your your vision your passion for the vision of the OKS hunter and you know you said that you know you use a lot of like meme humor and stuff like that to just kind of draw people's attention and stuff like that but and what I'm hoping that when people can hear this episode as well is that they hear the real reasoning behind it like it's not just like oh like the OKS hunter like it's it's funny you know because you know the shooter buck and you know meat buck and unicorn and stuff like that but like there's there's a very deep rooted meaning behind all of this right and why why people are out in the woods why you know they got out there in the first place and why they should be happy with whatever they're able to accomplish out there yep and it's interesting because i see other brands gravitating towards this a little bit more i'm not saying we're first or anything like that but it seems like you know i've i've read some um articles from qdma trying to like shift the messaging a little bit make it okay and make sure people understand what's really going on with quality care management. I've seen some other humorous brands start to say like, instead of Pope and young, it's, you know, uh, nope and young or something like that or whatever, <laughs> like the less than a hundred inches club. So it, it's interesting to see other brands doing similar things because it seems like there is a bit of a need here. And as we map to the R3 movement, the recruit, reactivate and retain or whatever order of that is, um, you know, we want to be kind of, there along the ride for some of those folks like we've seen like literally uh, some of those 47 years old messaged us and said i posted this picture of this deer and people shamed me for it because they said you're too old to shoot a buck like that and what they didn't know is that he hadn't hunted till he was like 10 or 11 and so 30 years later he decides you know i'm going to try this again and because you know whatever his reasoning was whatever the catalyst was and then he does it post a picture and people like are Saying that to him, do you think he's going to be retained or reactivated? Yeah. Not a chance. He's done. What are we doing? It's the neck biting the head off. We need to, like, loosen the reins on that and realize, like, there might not be any deer that we could hunt if this goes away and if we're not supporting conservation. Yeah. So the conservation, to me, you know, I do still believe in some component of, like, you know, everyone is at a different stage throughout this. If you go into the gym and you're 300 pounds, 180 you know, 160, 200, wherever you're at, everyone's at a different place in their journey. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for you. You shouldn't be the person to judge them. You know, maybe the guy that's super jacked and ripped in the gym has was 300 pounds and, and works his tail off for it. You know, maybe the guy that that is heavier is just getting started. So why would you dog him for that? It's not, it's not right. And it's really bad when you see it with children. That's yeah. where that's where this that's where this really came from, that we thought we should do something about this. This isn't right. Yeah, because you made a couple really good points there. Um, the everyone's at a different stage in their hunting life, right? Um, is is so true because there's there's people who don't get into hunting till late, people who do it early, and you know some that you know do it young and then pick it back up, like you mentioned with with the gentleman you were talking about there. And yeah, it shouldn't matter what. What I mean, I've kind of already said it. We both we both said it a few times, but it's just yeah, it's disheartening, right? When you see other adults shaming, you know, like you said, kids because the buck wasn't up to their standards. Well, great, it doesn't have to be up to their you know up to your standards because you didn't shoot it, you know. 
Right, going back to it's not your tag. But if we go back to a time when, like, people used to not care about this stuff at all. <laughs> like, if we go back, uh, like, two generations ago, people just shot deer to eat. Yeah. You know? It didn't matter. That's, like, literally the statement that gets so much flack today. You can't eat the horns. You can't eat the antlers, whatever you call them. And we call it horns because, again, we're trying to, like, really turn the screws on people and get them to stop. <laughs> so, like, we even know that that bothers people, so we lean into that. Um and we have a, a collection around. You can't eat the horns. We got a guy like cooking up an antler on a grill. Yep. And, yeah, I was looking know, at that this morning. Like a bite out of the you know the antler and whatever. But the, again, the point there is like, actually, and it turns out we did a huge blog article, a scholarly article um, for our blog, and, and you can eat the horns. <laughs> you you fully can. There's a lot of different ways you can grind them up for like supplemental purposes and things like that. Oh so wow, that's kind of funny. Uh, but no, like people used to just hunt to feed themselves and their families. So. It, we've turned it into something different and then it's evolved and evolved and evolved. And here we are today and we're trying to like kind of go backwards a little bit and for a good reason. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, a lot of people need to be reminded of what hunting is all about. It's about, like you said, the camaraderie of deer camp, of spending time with, with friends and family while you're in the woods, whatever the case is, and food. I mean, that's that's why our earliest ancestors hunted, right? They needed food. They needed to survive. And while, yes, we don't need to shoot deer to survive, I'd much rather eat venison than, you know, buy something from the store. Like, you know, there's there's that certain sense of pride and, and you know, accomplishment of knowing where your food came from. Yeah. I, um, I was in an incubator earlier this year uh, before COVID, like, took over the world. And uh, it was for the, the app that I have for, for where to hunt. And one of the things I had done is I interviewed like up to a hundred people. Um, I tried to get to a hundred people. I fell a little bit short. And a lot of the people that I interviewed were like people that weren't hunters. And I was trying to get their take on, you know, where their food came from. And so some of the people I talked to were like, were vegan and, and like, you know, vegetarians and things like that because I was really trying to like uh, gauge the demographic. But there were a handful of people that I talked to. There's one person in particular that, uh, you know, tried a lot of different diets like keto, Atkins, uh, vegetarian, vegan. And then they went to like something called paleo. I don't know anything about this stuff, but then like they tried this carnivore diet. Yeah, and, which is just all like, meat you know, for yeah, the like, most you know, part. I tried to be a vegan and I believed it, but it's like my body rejected it. Like I, it didn't do well for me and my goals. Like, yeah. so great, whatever, not my thing. And so someone that was a legitimate vegan because they were really good at like, um, being disciplined with how they did things to use their body as their own kind of science experiment to a degree. Uh, much like Dave Asprey with the bulletproof diet reminds me of that where he just could do something full the way, all the way through. This gentleman said, you know, I started learning archery. So I went to an archery shop and I would just use the bows that they had there. I eventually bought a used bow. And then he's like, now they're a listener of the where to hunt podcast. And they're trying to figure out like, okay, what camouflage do I need to buy? I'm like, buy used stuff. Like don't buy new stuff until you figure out if you even like this. But I said, what, what, like, where is this coming from? You know, like, why, why hunting? Well, I found myself standing in the grocery store looking at all this meat. And he's like, I actually wasn't okay with like, where did it come from? Like, who, what, where? Like, there's no way to know. And he's like, what's the treatment of these animals? Like, they literally live to die. Like, I'd rather have some fair chase and shoot something that I know that I, I, could, I know where it came from. It came from right there. And so here's someone that if we're talking about like um, recruit, this is someone that was a vegan, Yeah. you know? How's that vegan going to feel who's now 
in this space who's learned archery, bought a bow, bought camouflage, is about to go hunt. And of course they're going to shoot something not yeah. big because they're learning. But this is an older man. He's in his he's in his late 30s, early 40s, right in that demographic. Um, like how exciting. So I'm like really pumped for him. I'm jacked, you know, yeah. we're talking a lot now. So it's like, you know, good luck. Let me know how we can help you. What do you need? You know, et cetera, et cetera. I'll put you in touch with people that know more than me because I don't know much because I'm the okay hunter. Um, <laughs> but that's that's exciting. So, again, it's like when people get uh, like kind of off the on ramp and into the space, I just want to have a place for them to feel comfortable and confident with the decisions that they're making and not get ridiculed for it. So we're encouraging people to use the hashtag no buck shame if there is some shaming going on. And our model is kill them with kindness, right? So we're never going to be the, the jackasses out there, you know, slamming people. You know, we're not going to fight fire with fire. If people are bullying, we're not going to, like, throw more fire at that. Right, right. You know, everyone has a different opinion and viewpoint, and they grew up a certain way with a certain mindset and have a certain system of beliefs. For whatever reason, we just want to, like, create some awareness around, like, hey, did you consider that this person maybe has never hunted before, right, or whatever? Yeah. Right. right, it's their first season, right? Or Yeah, they, they, they just never shot a deer, you know. When you when you first kind of started that off and you were like, yeah, vegan and, you know, with an archery shop, like that sounds like it could be the beginning of a joke. Like a vegan walks into an archery shop. Oh, yeah. Totally. Da, 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 da. Totally did. <laughs> That's what's kind of funny. Um, so you, you touched on conservation there. Now, OKS Hunter, the company, the brand is a 2% certified company. Um, so one, I guess, how did you first learn about 2% for conservation? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I believe someone mentioned it to me. I can't remember who, but I, you know, I've talked to a hundred, at least a hundred different people on the word hunt podcast. So I learned about it somewhere along the way. I yeah. actually couldn't tell you specifically where, um, sorry. Cause as a marketer, like, you know, those are questions that we would love to have the answers to. Um, but you know, so then I studied up on it, looked at it and I looked at other organizations too. We looked at, you know, the national deer Alliance and, um, a sportsman's Alliance. And we looked at a couple others and, Yours fit pretty well with what I think we thought we could deliver. Like we can give 1% of our time collectively, mm -hmm. uh, Tyler and I, and yeah, we can, we can give 1% of our revenue also. Um, and so Tyler's more on like the book side of the business and yeah. like, you know, that stuff. So I know that we'll deliver there. No problem. Um, you know, we just started June 1st. So it's not like we're going to contribute like some, you know, thousands of dollars or something, but uh, we are signed up to do some volunteer work between now and the end of the year for some public lands here in Wisconsin. We both have things that we individually believe in. He's more on like the uh, upland hunting. I'm more on the whitetail side. So, you know, we're excited to like contribute, you know? It's, yeah. And everyone's dollars are going to be contributing to it. That's how it's working. So it makes us feel like really good about what's happening here. Yeah. And I talked about this with one of my other guests. Um, and I think it, uh, I can't remember who it was specifically, but the company that they had, and it's, it's much like you where it's like a, a side, side business or, you know, it's not, it's not their main income stream. Yep. And typically when someone starts to have, you know, they, when they start like a side business or something like that, it's for a, a second stream of income. Right. And what I'm finding is people that are 2% certified, they're giving back money from their second income stream, right? Like it's just like that's yeah, we're how not taking, we're not making any money. Like, yeah, it's it just, it's literally all going back into the business. We've not paid ourselves a penny. Um, 
we're just trying to make good decisions with it to grow it. So like the, the goal can be realized, yeah. you know, the mission can be fulfilled. So yeah, that doesn't mean we get paid. <laughs> so maybe someday, but, but that's why you have the day job. But I mean, yeah. that's, that I think that speaks volumes to to people's characters when they're like, okay, we're going to start this other business, and I mean, regardless of whether you were hoping to to you know take a take a paycheck from it to start with or not, I mean, most businesses what they say five years before you're actually able to to take a paycheck home, so you go, okay, we're going to start this side business, side side business, and we're not, we're probably not going to make any money ourselves actually in our pocket. But what money we do have, we're just going to give that back to conservation. So I, I think that speaks a lot to, to both you and and, uh, and Tyler and kind of what you envision with OKS Hunter and and what the goals are and what the, you know, kind of the plan was. Because I would assume that, I mean, you, the company hasn't been around for, for too long, that it was yeah, something that... Yeah, half a year, right? Yeah. So it's something that you had always planned to do was, was to be able to give back to conservation. Yep. And this has been the... A really fun and and slightly successful vehicle to do that you know we're seeing really good signals along the way so as we see those we're trying to find ways to double up on the success that we're having so we're listening to the market as intently as we possibly can and it's easy when you're in it and when you're passionate about it like some stuff that we produce is people are like oh my gosh and it's like well but we're one of you <laughs> you know yeah it should resonate so what are some of the the organizations uh that you guys are giving back to so um, one of them that I'm that I picked is the Waukesha County uh, Land Conservancy Group. So they are like a stewardship here in Wisconsin. They are they've scooped up quite a bit of land and they like maintain it for various recreating purposes. Some of that's hunting. There's a lot of land that they have that's not huntable. So it's like bird watching. Some of it's just like preservation of wildlife. Um, so that's one that I have. And then Tyler has picked one that's more on the upland side. So I can't remember which one he had selected. Um, but we each have our kind of camps yeah. that we think we can like realistically give our time to. So when we picked it, it was really a matter of like proximity of, can I go volunteer for this organization? Is it going to make a demonstrable impact in our community? Um, so, and it's a small enough footprint because we're so small still that we can actually make an impact there. Yeah. And then as we roll it forward, like a snowball, we can start to get bigger with that, um, with that reach. Yeah. And that's, I like the the kind of two pronged approach that you guys have there, where you, you said you're more on more interested in like the whitetail side of things, and Tyler is more on the upland side, and and that's great because while even if both of you guys were just super like okay, we're gonna give our time and, and dollars back to you know whatever the case may be, uh, QDMA, you know NDA, which I guess is is all one, but you know something related to just whitetail. Now you guys are kind of spreading the the wealth so to speak in, in terms of what you guys are giving your time and money back to yeah. and some of these organizations have like minimums like you can't be a contributor unless you contribute you know several thousand dollars or something it's like well what if we gave you just a hundred like is that not helpful <laughs> you know yeah and so you know, it's <laughs> kind of strange we've run into a lot of that and so again we're just starting with what we can start with you know we're, we're moving the needle where we can and as we have success we'll continue to reinvest that and try to make this impact and difference. I mean, in 10 years from now, this could be something large, right? Right. Or maybe it'll be something, you know, medium and, and that's fine. Yeah. And that's, it's funny. You said how some organizations have like a minimum, right? Like they're like, you know, you don't want my hundred dollars, but I I found the same thing. Like when I first started, um, the average conservationist and, you know, like 
where I was making donations to and things like that. And like, you almost feel like I, I almost felt like I was more of a burden to these companies that I was yeah, trying to give money to difference. Yeah. yeah. It's strange. And so my whole perspective, even in just over, you know, a year and a half, uh, no, excuse me, just over a year that, that I've had the company, like my outlook has certainly changed as far as like who I want to, you know, give my time and, and dollars back to. And it, it's really almost landed on, okay, like what am I passionate about? And then locally, right? I mean, because I think it's when I first started, I was like, oh, like I want to donate to the, you know, these big, you know, groups that everyone's familiar with, that everyone's going to have, there's, you know, there's name recognition here and there. And while, you know, for example, like I certainly think like the Mule Deer Foundation, like is very important, right? Like I I would love to hunt Mule Deer, but I don't, but I love the whitetail hunt here in Michigan. So how about, you know, QDMA chapter of Michigan, right? Like I know the money's going to stay here in the state, whether it's for CWD research, you know, whatever the case is. And, you know, I just, I feel much better about that. And to me, you know, the, the local uh, level seems so much more appreciative than if you're trying to deal with like, you know, something at more of a national level. Yep. Yep. And we're not a national, I mean, sure. I guess we sell like apparel across the country, but like, we're not, you know, it's a national yeah. brand. So, you know, we have to you know, keep our feet in reality, right? Yeah. We have to live in reality in some sense and, and again, do what we can. So, yeah. And we could have done nothing, right? And it, it very well could have gone that way because of the minimum threshold that some of these organizations have. So, yeah. So now with giving back to conservation, so was conservation, like as, as you were growing up and, and you were spending your time hunting, was, was conservation something that was kind of preached to you or was, you know, like your dad, for example, who you said kind of gave you the introduction to the outdoors, was it just kind of something that he led by example or, or how did how did conservation kind of, how was it, I guess, shown to you? I, I can't really think of a better way to put it, but, you know, yeah, how is it introduced? I think, I think for me, it's uh, the sense that, you know, my dad still doesn't own private land. We've never released land. So, like, we've only hunted public land. We've only fished public lakes, like where there's a public access to a pier growing up because we don't have a boat. So, like, things like that mattered because it gave me the ability to go do these activities and my understanding is limited compared to some, like I'm no Mark Kenyon, you know what he knows and, and Sam Soho, like these guys have done more for conservation than like I, yeah. I hope to do enough. Right. Right. But, um, I'm not there yet and that's, that's fine. But my understanding is I want to access our public lands and I understand enough to know that dollars from hunting, like buying licenses and firearms and ammunition go towards those lands and I do plenty of other things other than whitetail hunt. I just want a five-mile hike with my family over the weekend to, you know, take in the fall colors on some public trails. Um, you know, I love to camp. I used to try to rock climb. Um, yeah. I mountain bike down trails. Like, I kayak and canoe and fish. Like, there's all of these things that if you go to a public piece of property, even just shed hunting down the road on a public parcel with my, you know, three-year-old um, in spring, like, you just get to go to this land and, and use it? That's just incredible to me. And to have that is very special. And I never want to see that go away. So anything I can do to help retain that um, is what I want to try to do. Because now that I have kids, like, gosh, I sure hope they have public land when they grow up. Right. Yeah. And that's so you almost kind of answered my next question was I've asked other people who 
I know have young children. Um, yeah, I, I, you and I, t- we're in the same boat as far as like our kids and, and their ages. And we're, we were telling war stories before we started recording here. But do you think that there was like a shift for you? Like once you had kids as far as like, okay, I, like you, you've always enjoyed hunting, right? But once you had kids, you're like, oh, wow. Like now all this great, these great memories that I have with my dad growing up hunting, like I want to make sure that I can have those with my kids. Like, was there kind of like a, a shift for you when that, when you had kids? Uh, I think I always had that vision. Like I was always a guy that thought I was going to have kids. And yeah. so, you know, um, you know, I always, I'm a big traditionalist. I love tradition. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely want that tradition with them and them to have that with their kids and that, that, the torch from, you know, them to their kids when that day happens, which, you know, I have a three-year-old daughter, so, like, that can wait a very long time. Yep. But it's those moments that are going to be, you know, tear-jerking for me that are going to really pull the heartstrings. And, like, that's what I'm aiming for here. It's it's even, like, one or two generations beyond them. And so, for me, if I think of my family tree, like, I want to hang some hammocks on that tree and make sure life is good and that yeah. they can enjoy things that we've all enjoyed, you know, together and growing up. So those memories can be kind of, you know, reinvented as, as the torch gets passed. So, um, it's changed only a little bit since I've had kids. It's become more real, but the, yeah. the thoughts always been there. Yeah. And that's, you, you said a very key word there with tradition. And I think that anyone who's spent any amount of time in the outdoors hunting fishing you know whatever the case is like there's in some way shape or form there's tradition rooted in how they likely ended up there i mean yeah there's the story where like you said the the vegan who walked into an archery shop because he wanted to know where his meat came from like yeah there probably isn't tradition there but for the most part most of us have some type of tradition that led us to where where we're at now in terms of you know the outdoors yep yep absolutely yeah kind of quick sidebar um so like i mentioned i'll be i'll be hunting this weekend at least friday and saturday and um where my in-laws have a a cabin um they've got a couple like elevated box blinds on their property uh just behind the house they have like 20 acres or something like that and people hunt there sometimes but that's not typically where uh where i'll hunt when i'm up there so i'm going to take my daughter out for the first time i'm going to let her bring her little suction cup bow out there probably an iPad and a lot of snacks and just, I, I would just be tickled pink if we were able to see a deer while we were sitting out there. So it, yeah, it, it's, it's those types of things that you, you, you really look forward to as, as you know, not only an outdoorsman, but a father, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love opportunities to bring my kids outside. My son, who's a year, I mean, they just, he just turned a year in September. So like he's obsessed with just being outside. Yeah. He, he just loves to be outside. Like he'll, he gets so pissed if you bring him in or if like he thinks he's gonna go outside he'll like grab his little crock and he'll walk to the patio door and be like you know he can't talk but he like that's what he's trying to tell you like i have my shoe there's the door like let's go yeah you know put two and two together here dad let's go yeah he's like come on man what the hell so yeah and you know my daughter um she watches like the hunting public with me and she knows what hunting is and she understands the shows and she knows like that this couch is the hunting couch (laughs) (laughs) this means i shut up and i snuggle with dad with my pink blankets and we watch deer that's Um, great she's got that's that's awesome super keen eye so like i'm really excited for her to you know we'll see and i'm gonna push her in it if she you know if she shows interest great i'll i'll help her 
if she doesn't, I'm certainly not going to, you know, twist her wrist to, yeah. to get in there. So same thing yeah. with my son. It is what it is. I'll support them with whatever they want to do. Um, but hopefully they end up liking me because I like it and they like me. You know? Yeah. And they like spending time with their dad. Absolutely. So now kind of big picture stuff here. Where, what do you, and, and I know you're a marketing guy and you're a business guy. So like, what do you see or where do you see the, the OKS hunter and let's say, you know, three, five, seven years, somewhere in that time frame? Yep. Um, so I believe that the market is the market is the market, which, you know, either the market's going to accept this or they're going to reject it. And I've learned to take subjectivity out of marketing. And I've learned a lot of actually through this entity, which is I would post something because I thought it was funny and then it would flop. And then we would post something just because, you know, we had to get content out of the rules mm-hmm. every day. One, at least one piece of content goes out every single day. Um, whether that's me or Tyler, doesn't matter. We are really good about working together to just, you know, carry the flag. Um, but there's certain things where we're like, this is stupid, but let's post it because we got to get something out there. And then it reaches 100,000 people. And we're like, what? That's what people thought was funny? I didn't think that was funny. Do you think that was funny? No, I didn't think that was funny. Well, that's weird. But like, we've learned to listen to the market. So yeah. we're we're taking this very methodically in that we put stuff out, we get intel and input back, and then we take that feedback and we create a feedback loop and then we put something else back out that reflects that and we keep kind of growing it that way. So uh, to answer your question, right now we're actually starting to try to put our heads together um, as we go into the, the next year to try to determine like what are the actionable things we can put around this? Is there a partnership with the QDMA on the table that we can discuss? Like what other pieces of awareness can we do and what programs can we put into place where like we can literally have like not just product that people wear and funny memes. Like what is the next thing where like we're making an impact on a child's life or that hunter that's being reactivated and how are you going to help retain them through this medium that we have? Because it is resonating so well perceivably that we almost owe it to ourselves to do something with it. So um, hard to say specifically what that vision looks like on the retail side. Yeah. It would be great to be picked up by some like big retailer, fleet farm, you know, whoever shields, I, I don't know. Um, but that means we can extend and further our mission, then that's great. As long as there's alignment, we are very picky about alignment and fit. If there's not a fit, we don't do it. So, you know, we like to think that we're kind of tasteful in our approach. Um, always have to be kind. That is like number one. You know, we're never going to be mean to someone because there's bullying going on out there. We don't want to be part of that and perpetuate that. Right. Um, so, very particular about who we're aligned with and, and making sure that our message and our mission aren't comprehended. Uh, not comprehended. I meant to say, um, compromised. I don't know what the word. Thank you. That was the word. Yeah. No, I, I knew, <laughs> I knew what you were getting at. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I think one that's, that's super commendable because a lot of people, especially trying to get a company off the ground might take shortcuts to, to try, you know, to gain more exposure or, you know, get a, you know, a certain partnership with, with, a with an organization or another company or whatever the case is. And even if that, is, that company or that the ethos doesn't line up with, with your companies, like they're like, well, we've got to do it because we've got to get the name out or we've got to grow the company. And the fact that you're like, it's got to be exactly what you like, you're being very picky and selective with what you want to, what you want to put out there, who you want to work with. And I think that that's, that's the absolute right way to do it for, for and any company. We, we can be because of the time in the world. I mean, yeah. like what, there's no hurry here. You know what I mean? We just mentioned how methodical we are about this stuff. So like, we're not 
in some rush. Um, we want to get it right. We want to make sure that it feels like that it's right and that it's making that impact and difference. And, you know, again, we're not getting paid. So, like, it's not like this has to make it or I lose my house, you know? Right, right. It just needs to be right. So, as we're kind of on the topic of conservation and we've kind of touched on social media a little bit here with getting the brand out there and stuff like that, have you noticed uh, a really or a shift, I would say, in the last like three years or five years in the way hunting is viewed and the way conservation is kind of talked about or I don't, yeah, let's, let's just say that like the way, the way hunting is viewed and the way conservation is viewed. Have you noticed a difference in that? Hard to say. I would, that would mean that I would have had to have been paying attention prior to that to notice the difference. And I think at a different time, you know, five years ago, my mind was focused on different things. So right. Now I'm paying attention. Uh, hard for me to call out what may have changed. If you have some thoughts on that, I could certainly reflect. Um, but insofar as social media, like there's, you know, like a lot, like what I said, like a lot of the neck biting the head off. You know, yeah. we're on the same team, guys. You know, I don't know where it comes from, or I think it's just a really uh, visceral bunch of folks we're all very visceral and passionate about things and we hold certain beliefs really uh, close to the vest and so if those belief systems are challenged you know some of the there's some lashing out that happens because people might feel like they're being attacked or their values are being attacked and if someone's character is being attacked like you show teeth you know that's what oh, happens. I, yeah so i think people may just need to open their minds a little bit more and and, and that maybe is just for all society not just hunting i was just going to say like that's that's a lesson that everyone needs to take a uh, a pay uh, a page out of that book because yeah i mean just look anywhere on social media whether it's hunting politics religion what kind of car you drive i mean it doesn't matter i mean there's there, there's just so much negativity human. We're all human like i don't this would be a small rant and choose to cut this or not but you know i i uh in the midst of covid and mask versus not mask and how everything is like you know there's a side to everything you have to take a side and heaven forbid yeah. you're quiet um, but if you're not, then like you're gonna get dogpiled on. So I looked at what happened in 1918 with the, the flu pandemic. And this is only a comparison of human beings, right? To say that in the last hundred years, things were similar, quite different, different circumstances, but the reaction was virtually the same. Um, people in 1918 were mad to wear masks because they couldn't smoke their cigarettes. So they were like, they were, instead of Facebook groups, there were literal groups of people that were anti-mask groups and they had actual names and there were several of them. And they would meet together to try to come up with ways to like get rid of the masks or invent ways to smoke your cigarette through your mask. And um, there's like inventions around like doing it so the mask wouldn't start on fire and that the cigarettes would go in and out easily. <laughs> um, so that's what they were mad about then. But like the world was perceivably ending. It was World War II. Slavery was still just being abolished. Like people were dying from the flu. It was terrible. Fast forward to today, the world still feels like it's ending and we're still fighting about things and there's actual groups of people trying to change stuff. So if it if nothing else, just you know, the human brain is like one of the few things that haven't hasn't actually evolved in all this. Medicines evolved, science evolved, technology's evolved, everything's evolved, but like we're still the same creatures. We're still like operating the same way. So yeah. the golden rule should just be I don't know, created louder somehow, like just treat people fairly. Yeah. Treat people the way you want to be treated. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Like I don't, I don't know why people have such a hard time subscribing to those two rules. If nothing else, just 
Follow those two and you'd be surprised how far you'll get in life and how many how many friends you'll have and how many enemies you won't have. There just is, you know, and, and it's not us and them and they and right. who is they. Like, my gosh, you know, like. So, um, no, I mean, back to the, the hunting side of things, social media has exploited things. I think the human nature has been the undercurrent. It's been the same the whole entire time. It's just now it's brought some more things to light and you can't hide nearly as much yeah. or people are choosing to put their best foot forward. Kind of like a first date. You wear your best outfit outfit, and you yeah. you say things you probably wouldn't normally say and it's really weird. And you're like, why am I acting this way? It's because this girl is cute or that boy is whatever, right? Um, and so you go through and you play this game. Well, social media is the, the version of that that is a never-ending game until you finally reach this critical mass in your mind. You're like, why do I care about this stuff? Yeah. You know, at some point it gets kind of exhausting. So... You know, you should just kind of get to your natural self. And that's why it's like, again, um, it's your tag. Do what you want. Do what makes you happy because that's where it's going to end up anyways. Yeah. You know, yeah, when because, you're 80. Like, yeah. And that's you're going to shoot the damn deer that you're like, you know what? This is a great moment. And I'm with my grandson and my son. And there's three generations of us here. Do I need to like beg on them because they didn't get a 12 pointer? Like, who cares? Yeah. No, that's. Yeah. My uh, dear. I mean, they, they had the youth hunt in Michigan and. My uncle sent me um, a picture of of a deer that he shot with his granddaughter. You know, this it was a it was a it was a you know this little four point, and the the smile on his face was bigger than the smile on her face because you know just the whole experience, right? And that's you know I mean she's gonna have that story for the rest of her life. Oh, I shot my first buck with my grandpa, you know, when I was you know eleven years old or however old she is, and it's like nothing can take that away from you, and no one should try. And most people are proud of that. Like, look, there's bad eggs everywhere. And so there's the 1% that'll ruin it for the bunch. And that's happening. And so those are the people that we want to, like, identify and, like, make sure that they're not ruining for the 90% of the people that want to be here. Yeah. That aren't going to scare them away. So um, kind of feel like we've come a little bit full circle here. And hopefully I'm answering your questions. No, no, this is this is good. And, and that was – you said it best. Like, we just kind of – we kind of came full circle. And that's – I. I I actually learned a lot about the OKS Hunter from just, you know, this last hour being able to talk to you because, you know, while I think I have this idea of like, oh, like it's it's a brand and, you know, they're kind of promoting like, hey, you know, shoot the deer you want and this and that. And, you know, like you said, you put out a lot of the funny memes and, and stuff like the one you guys put out today. Like I had to show my wife, I'm like, this is the guy I'm talking to tonight, right? Like this is <laughs> this is the stuff that they're putting out, like the Step Brothers clip. I was like, I like this. But, you know, when I get to talk to you, and you get a much like deeper rooted meaning behind the brand like it's like it's awesome and there needs to be more like people like you and brands like the okay's hunter because they're celebrating the right things of 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 hunting you know and and tradition like if you were called like the 12 point buck and you're like yep we only shoot 12 point bucks around here like i don't don't want to see any other stuff like you know then we probably would have had a different conversation but and, you know. and by the way, like we're not discriminating on, on that either, though. Right. Too, right. There's room for that also. Like by the by the way, like okay, hunters. That's that's what we actually want to shoot. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. And and so, yeah. By all means, it's not like if we're pitting that against. We're not pitting the the you know the fork horn against that. It, it's just again, it's it's knowing where you're at in the journey. And so like we're happy to share those photos too. And if yeah. and if you know you probably had an okayest moment leading up to that. You know it's like. 
people do goofy stuff all the time. Like the number of people that send us stuff that they've dropped out of their tree stand and played Plinko down their, their climbing sticks or their ladder stand. It's, it's comical. And like the, the people that respond to the memes, honestly, a lot of them are like, dude, I needed this today. This was, I laughed my ass off. Yeah. Thank you. I look forward to these. I'm like, really? Geez, I just sit in my couch or toilet, you know, producing these things. <laughs> uh, when, it, when the moment strikes me, I jump on and I create it real quick on my phone. And, um, you know, and Tyler, Tyler too, like he, he does the, the memes and, and, the, and stuff like that. And he handles a lot of the, the logistics of the business, um, the operation side. And, you know, the, the, what they, I don't even know what they're called, like the videos with the sound that are on the Instagram reels and TikToks, like, you know. It's really yeah. easy to be funny when you're just grabbing a funny clip from a funny movie written by funny people, you know? Yeah, you just apply it to what, yeah. It back. Yeah, so of course it's funny, because it is funny. Because, like, Will Ferrell's actually funny, and I'm not. Yeah, so. yeah, I just put some stuff about deer hunting in there, and it, it works itself out. But that's that's the magic, right? That is yeah. the, the magic, and, and it's... You know, there's other people that say funnier things than us. Like, someone just posted Boom and Crockpot, you know, another <laughs> thing making fun of the, you know? And I was like, man, that's good. Why did I think of that one? Like, dang it. You know, now I'm mad because there's nothing that's going to be better than that, in my opinion. I looked at all the words I could rhyme with, and I have nothing. So. Yeah, well, now I'm going to, like, I'm, I, as soon as you said I was like, well, so shit, Instead let of, me... like, being competitive and being like, oh, I'm like, good, we need more of this. Like, yeah. good job. Like, yes, come together. Let's keep going here. This is This is a good thing. So, you know, others are, like, sending me this and saying, are you going to do something about that? Yeah, I'm going to pat him on the back. Right. Like, that's clever. Great. And maybe their mission is different than us, but like there's still something similar happening here where people need to like, we need to break down this wall that we built up a little bit first and then see what's on the other side again. Yeah. Well, Eric, I really enjoyed this, man. I I really had a good time speaking to you and learning more about the OKS Hunter and everything that you guys stand for. And, uh, you know, for listeners out there, if if you guys haven't, or you're not familiar with the OKS Hunter, I I highly suggest you, you check them out and, and, you know, they've got a lot of cool apparel and you know just the, the the right message and the right mission for you know a hunter at any any phase in in their career yeah thank you it's been fun um i think this site's easy enough okay is hunter.com yeah and i was just gonna i was just gonna tell yeah. uh have you tell us where we can find you whether you know the website and social media and everything like that so and this is the okay is hunter podcast studio um is hunter does we support the the where to hunt podcast and then we actually just uh, partnered with someone that um, fell in love with our mission, and uh, it's it's the hunt, um, which is they have like a YouTube series on hunting, but like they're doing things that are aligned with our mission and values. So it made sense; it was a really good fit. So that was someone we felt happy to support. So we're supporting them as well. So it's kind of, you know, we're finding these niches where there's people that believe in our ethos and are you know following it by action, which yeah. is exciting. Yeah, and that's. And that's the people, um, whether you're talking about business or, or really anything in life, is surrounding yourself with people that, that share the same views and have the same passions as you. And it's amazing what you can accomplish when, you know, enough people with the, the same mindset, you know, put their heads together. Yep. So well, Cool. Thanks again for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to have a platform to talk about this. So if yeah, you're the absolutely. first one, uh, to, you know, I've never actually talked fully about OKS Tunner, so this has been cool. No, no. Well, I'm glad that, uh, that we were the first, um, the maiden voyage for the uh, OKS Hunter to, to hop on a podcast. I, I'm glad you, you took some time tonight. 
All right. A big thanks to Eric for hopping on the podcast today and telling us more about the OKS Hunter. Uh, I'd also like to thank our partners over at Stone Glacier. Be sure and check them out at stoneglacier.com. Also like to thank our partners at 2% for Conservation. If you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation, including the OKS Hunter, that you should support when you shop for your gear or apparel or guiding services, coffee, books, real estate, piano repair, you name it. Uh, I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media uh, where they're going to post nothing but very um, positive conservation driven content. Uh, so again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for tuning in guys. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Remember, stay safe out there and conservation starts with you. Thank you.